This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. How many of you know it's good to gather in the name of Jesus, right? And where two or three or more are gathered, he's powerfully, the Bible says, in our midst. Actually, it's crazy. The, the Greek word right there, it's, it's the Greek word dunamis, where we get the, the English word dynamite, explosion. You know, like it's, it's, there's opportunity for, for something great to happen in our hearts and I'm really believing that this morning, that God's going to just continue as he's already done uh, this morning through the worship and through announcements and through this dedication of children. How many of you know it takes a village to raise a child, right? And it really is, we're all in this together. And trust me, if you don't know this already as a parent, even as you get older in your journey with your children, you're, you're, you're trusting God to put other people in their life that are going to be there to be voices as well, you know, voices of positivity and, and of guidance and all of those things in our children's life. And we've learned that, especially as our kids have gone into teenage years and gone off and moved to other cities. How many of you know those that, in, that influence our lives in a positive way have a great effect over our hearts and our journeys? And, and so we just need to pray for that, that our kids will be covered and protected and, and God will bring beautiful people around them. Listen, one thing just quickly, I want to just say this over us today. How many of you know that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind? And I think in the days that we're living in, like probably never before, we need to be wise as serpents, right? How many of you know wisdom is a good thing and to be gentle as doves? And so this last week we sent out an email. If you didn't get it, under your chair, as as was mentioned by... um, Haley, there's connection cards, and even if you're like, man, I'm, I've been a part of this church forever, I'm not getting emails, I'm not getting the Tuesday updates, I'm not getting information about key things going on here, grab that connection card again today, fill it out, put it in the black box, if you're a first-time guest, take it to the Welcome Center, but give us that information, because we sent information out about this whole coronavirus thing, everybody say boo, <laughs> you know, we're going to boo the devil, because we know that he's, his time is short, Right? But I just find it, I find it hilarious and actually in some ways encouraging that he's going to these kind of efforts to, you know, do what he does on the earth. And that's instill fear and try to, to stall or stop what God is up to. And how many of you know that that's just not going to work? Can I get an amen? And so, but anyhow, in it, we need to use wisdom. I was talking to uh, some friends on Saturday, and I guess there was a huge conference in Germany and um, thousands, I mean, I think it was, you know, thousands and thousands of people, and one of the guest speakers got coronavirus. He wasn't very ill from it, but he got it. He was diagnosed, and so they instantly, the government came in instantly and shut down the meeting, boom, just like that, and then quarantined all of the other guest speakers, who the good majority of them from, were from America, and they couldn't come back to their homes or their families or their churches for something like two weeks. I'm like, man, that would be such a bummer, right, for something like that to happen. And so this is real. You know, there's, there's you know, stuff going on in different places. And so we just want to use wisdom. We sent out an email um, just to give us some 
you know, some guidelines to, to be wise in this time. And, and they're super simple. Like, if you're not feeling good, go ahead and take a live stream day at home. Can I get an amen? All right? Now, if you're watching me on live stream today and you're not sick, shame on you. Can I, right? Come on, you did the fall forward, you know, get out of bed card, right? I mean, not get out of bed card. So, wow, we had a, actually had a small group meeting this, this morning. I'm like, who scheduled this small group meeting on spring forward Sunday? You know, I'm like, it was me. What? I think spring forward's of the devil. Can I get an amen? But anyhow, I'm with Rubio, man. This thing should be outlawed, and uh, the government should shut that thing down. But anyhow, take, take, take a live stream Sunday. You know, we just want to be wise. I think when we're, when we're ill in the natural, we, we need to, to, to just cover other people, and that means avoid physical contact. You know, instead of giving a, your brother or sister in the Lord a big old sloppy kiss from Jesus, you know, maybe give a peace symbol, a wave, an elbow bump, you know. Um, so these kind of things, just practical stuff. And so if you didn't get that email, uh, go back and look it up. But we just want to be, be wise with how we're stewarding um, our gatherings together, all right? So we're taking extra measures here to clean up everything and be very, you know, just sanitize stuff. That, that's important, right? So just uh, be with us, all right? Jesus is, 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 is giving us uh, grace in this time, and, and um, um, we're going to get through this this crazy, crazy craziness right now in this time. Listen, I want to continue in where we've been in a series called 2020 Vision. We launched it last week. And just a reminder, we're, we're doing this series over the course of 40 days um, during the season of Lent. All right, Lent is the 40-day time period in uh, the season of the life of Jesus leading up to Palm Sunday where he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, into the wilderness. And it was a key time for Jesus because it was actually positioning him to come out of that season, go to the cross, we know the story, death, burial, resurrection, and then unleash a movement on the earth that was going to change the course of human history. I'm reading a phenomenal book right now, and it's, it's, it's called Necessary Endings, and it's talking about the realities of, of times and moments in our life where it feels like loss, but at the end of the day, it's actually a posturing for greater things than we could ever even imagine. But unfortunately, we can't see these things sometimes. In fact, we have, we have difficulty perceiving the beauty in what I call pruning. How many of you know that a rose bush cannot produce the beautiful things that it's intended to produce unless you prune that tree? And so sometimes times of loss or sometimes feelings where we can't sense or perceive or or be able to to clearly see what is going on are some of the greatest actually moments in our life. In fact, if you're in one of those moments right now, I just want to say to you, you must have something profound waiting for you on the other side. And I believe this is why, for me, as I'm just even looking at the hour that we're living in and the year that we're, we find ourselves on the planet, I don't believe any of this is by mistake. I believe this is one of the greatest moments in human history. So with boldness, 
I want to talk about this whole concept of, of the wilderness and us being actually able to perceive or see clearly in these seasons, in these types of seasons. Last week, we took a look at the rich young ruler and how you know, he, he was wanting to, to know from Jesus the commands that he was supposed to, uh, to keep in his own ability to, to find this whole concept of eternal life. Life that begins in a moment and then perpetually continues for all eternity. And I reminded us last week that this whole eternal life thing that we've been given in Jesus is not reserved for some future date. It's actually resident inside of you right now. But as he's asking Jesus these questions about all these commands that he's supposed to take, Jesus kind of goes through a few with him. He's like, man, I've kept all those. What else should I do? And then Jesus cuts to the heart. And he tells them, listen, sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And he should have said, into the wilderness. Because the wilderness is really a time when anything and everything that hinders love should be taken out of our life, or can be taken out of our life, or should be taken out of our life. Money's not a bad thing. In fact, I think God knows the church needs resources to fulfill this thing called the Great Commission. I think we're going to prosper and see things in, in, in realms of resource personally and as the body of Christ like never before. But how many of you know anything that takes the place of God or supersedes our confidence in Jesus is idol, idolatry ultimately at the end of the day. And that's where this young man was. And so Jesus knew This is where he had placed his identity. The wilderness is a time and a season of coming to understand who we truly are by it being proven to us. You see, God already knows that we carry it when he sends us into these moments. Listen, you've got to understand, when God takes you in by his spirit to a wilderness season to prove to you who you are, he knows that you're ready for that test. This is not a pass or fail test. This is a pass test. This is where you come out of it and go, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that I carried it. God knew you carried it, but he needed you to realize and have you know that you actually carry this. So when you're walking through one of those times and those seasons, don't go, oh, gosh, where is God? I've been brought into this place to be destroyed. Actually, quite the opposite. You've been promoted. You've been positioned for greatness. When you feel like everything's being stripped from you, that that you kind of hung on to and clung on to and felt good about and it gave you confidence, take heart. Because actually God is positioning you in his son, in Jesus, to do maybe one of the greatest things you've ever done in that moment of your life. So this is what is happening as we're being brought into these, into these moments. And so what I want to do is, is talk about um, what I'm titling Angels Unaware. Now, I know that, you know, I could do a whole teaching on, on the angelic and, and, and that whole Reality, but that's not what I'm actually going for today. The, the whole concept here of, of, of angels is that they, they were ones um, who carried tidings. Tidings are simply announcements. And, and if you remember when, when Jesus was being brought um, into the earth, he was being born, there were these angels that 
that appeared to these shepherds. And you remember the language there. They said they've, they brought us um, glad tidings, good tidings, like good, basically, news, a good report that is, has come to give us, I think they said something like this, great joy, hope. Like what they were announcing actually was bringing life into the earth. When everything at the moment was bad news, how many of you know that our news channels are filled, majority if not all, with bad news, right? And so God is wanting to raise up an angelic spirit. In fact, if you look at, at the word angel, it's actually the word angelos, which, which simply is, is, is like a pastoral presence. Again, it could be you know, these, these otherworldly beings that, that, that exist with God, but it, but it could be you and I being angels to other people, you know, that are giving good tidings to the world and, and carrying, you know, news that is positive and that is powerful and that brings hope to people. So anyhow, shifting away from that, I, was, I, was, I just wanted to start off today by, by throwing out a thought. I was thinking about some of the, the first repercussions of the fall and in the story of Cain and Abel, because how many of you know Jesus has broke the power of the curse that's been over the earth? So we're going to see the opposite of this, but you see the fruit of the fall in this whole story with Cain and Abel, the, the first uh, two children were born, and Cain kills Abel, and then when the Lord comes to him and asks him, where is your brother? He answers and he says, am I my brother's keeper? Isn't that interesting? Keeper literally means the one who hedges about or covers. Someone who guards another individual. Someone who protects them, preserves them. The fruit of the fall and what Jesus came to redeem on this planet is for us once again to regain in our spirits this whole concept of being our brother's keeper. Look with me in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. And this is in the Amplified Bible. It's, I just like the, the language here of what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Hebrews 13, verse 2. He says, do not ne neglect to extend hospitality to strangers. I'm just going to read this. If, if it's not on the screen, it's okay. Just pay attention. Do not neglect to extend hospitality to strangers, especially among the family of believers. Catch this. Be friendly, cordial, gracious, sharing the comforts of your home and doing your part generously. For by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. 
Now, when we think about an Old Testament character that walked through suffering, what character comes to mind when you think about that? Job, I'm hearing, right? What's ironic about the story of Job is when he was going through his deepest grief, all the things that were happening, whatever was going on in his life externally, the irony was is it was his closest friends in that moment that criticized him in the midst of his deepest grief that ultimately brought him to a place of brokenness. And what he needed from those friends in that season was their greatest care and comfort for them to be their brother's keeper. Come on, have you ever been in a season, a wilderness, can't see, can't hear, you don't know fully what's going on, and when you need that kind word, your friend comes along. And you, for whatever reason in that moment, get quite the opposite. And you just feel the wind go out of your lungs. This is what was happening with Job. I've been thinking a lot about the body, just the human body. And just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I, when I get on something, I'll start doing a bunch of research. And I'll look up, you know, stuff on Google. And I just like to study. I like to be a student. I like to just you know, grow and, and just increase in my, my wisdom and my knowledge and my capacity about certain subjects. And, and I found some very fascinating things about the human body. But as I was studying these things, I, the Lord was like, listen, Darren, as, as it is in the human body, the same, the same things hold true in my, my, my spiritual body called the church. Because when Juan is talking about, hey, he loves the church, he's not talking about some building, even though we're coming to fix up some stuff in the place that we gather. What we're talking about when it comes to the church, he's talking about human beings. He's talking about lives. He's talking about people that are living real life day in and day out that are walking through situations and, and challenges and victories, highs and lows, right? People like you and me that wake up every morning and have to deal with things at work and things with extended family and things with friends and financial situations and all of the rest, all of the beauties and all of the fragilities of life. That's the church. And I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, about the human body and the comparison between it and the church. Look what he says in chapter 12, verse 2. He says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. Everybody say one. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. There's many, many different facets, even represented in this room. I mean, we have a few hundred people here today, a couple thousand watching over live stream, and, and that that's represents a lot of different people, right? Different parts. But we all make up one body. One body called the church. I, I found it hilarious recently, you know, in some comments that I've been reading on Facebook through different interactions, and I've, 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 I've found several that will say something like this. Well, you know, we've left the church because of da, 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 whatever reason. And I wanted to write back, but I didn't. You can't leave the church. You may not go to a meeting anymore or whatever or identify with a particular congregation, but if you're in Christ, you can't leave the church. 
Because you're a part of the body. There's many parts, one body. And what he says, and I love this in verse 21, chapter 12, he says, The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. In other words, I'm not your keeper. I don't really need to worry about your life. I don't really actually even need you in my life. I'm good by myself. That's a lie. It's a total fabricated lie that's hindering what God wants to do on the earth, the move of God that Jesus wants to bring to the planet right now. The head cannot say to the feet. Now you think about that. I don't need you. Head meaning, you know, the brain, it's, that's really super important. I don't need you, little pinky toe. I remember, I think I've told this story before, but when I was in college, I was sitting down, I got up and I stumbled, and we had this very um, heavy coffee table sitting right in front of where I was seated, and when I stumbled forward, I didn't have any shoes on, my pinky toe caught the edge of that coffee table and snap, boom, broke that bad boy. I will never say again, pinky toe, I don't need you. I mean, you can't do anything when you have a broken pinky toe. Like, you can't run, you can't walk, everything hurts. You see, every part is valuable. And and that's why, you know, Paul, he's trying to get this, this part across to us because he says in verse 22, in fact, some parts of the body that seem the weakest are least important are actually the most necessary. Okay, let's address that right here. Because the enemy is lying to people all the time saying, you are not valuable, you don't matter, what you carry doesn't really make a difference. Kicking you when you're down, making you feel like you don't really carry any value, that is a lie. In fact, if you're having that voice come to your head, you actually might be more important than you actually realize. Verse 25, he says, I love this. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for one another. They become their brother or their sister's keeper. The curse from the fall is broken by us being able to see clearly 2020 vision through the lens of Jesus in what he came to do to redeem humanity through this beautiful thing called the church. The body, people coming back together in Jesus. No longer being scattered and blown to the four corners of the world, disconnected from one another. Interestingly, he ends with verse 26, and he says, if one part of the body suffers, all the parts of the body suffer with it. Well, that's not true, because I really don't care, Darren. I'm not really concerned about what someone else is going through. 
I don't suffer. That's actually not true. When a part of the body suffers and is hurting, the rest of the body is affected because of the way God has put this thing together. And God is going to awaken us to really, in His grace, become our brother and our sister's keeper again in the world. If one part is honored, then all parts are honored. Let's see a revival of honor again. How about that? Let's start honoring people. Let's, let's, Let's release honor in the world again to see the rest of the body honored. You know, because of the broken example that we saw in the Old Testament with Job, and his friends, he was brought to a place of utter despair. In fact, you see in Job chapter 16, verse 22, he says, For soon I'm going to go have to go down a road from which I'll never return. I'm going to have to go into this wilderness and on this journey, on this road. Maybe I'll never come back. That's how he felt. And I want to show you this verse in chapter 16, verse 21, because this was his cry, and it was answered by the Father. He said, I need someone to mediate between God and me as a person mediates between friends. Mediate means to bring into accord, bring into union, bring into honor, bring into the space of being someone else's keeper. You know, Jesus, on his baptism, we've read this many times in Mark chapter 1. I'm just going to paraphrase for the sake of time. But when he comes in verse 9 from Nazareth of Galilee to be baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist, he comes up out of the water. We see the Holy Spirit come down upon Jesus. He is affirmed in his identity. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He's going to be led by the Spirit into the where? Wilderness, for it now to be proven to Jesus himself. This was not Jesus' first rodeo in in intimacy with God. He had been walking with him for 30 years, and it said that he didn't do anything, that he didn't hear the Father saying, or that he didn't see the Father doing, he didn't say anything, he didn't hear the Father saying. So he was already one in his identity. Even though he hadn't done anything in ministry, the Father affirms it. This is my beloved son. It's not about who you, what you are or what you do, but who you are. I affirm you. I love you. You bring me great pleasure. Now I'm going to lead you into the wilderness to prove it to yourself. Everything is stripped from Jesus. He didn't even eat or drink anything. Think about that for a minute. Everything taken from him, including his strength, physical strength, which is not a bad thing. I mean, how many of you know it's good to eat food every now and then? Can I get an amen? Drink a glass of water, right? Everything taken from Jesus. But look at this with me in verse 13. While he was there in the wilderness, tempted by the adversary, Hanging out and living with wild animals in Mark chapter 1, verse 13, it says that angels came and ministered to him continually. Isn't that interesting? 
please hear this. Even Jesus needed someone at his lowest moment to come and give him some good news. They were like, well, Jesus, man, you knew it was going to be bad, and man, you're, you, you look rough right now. I mean, I don't know if you're going to make it out of here praying for you, bro. You ever done that to somebody? Man, the devil's all over you, man. It's not looking good. Those demons are so powerful. I'm afraid too now. Oh, my gosh. Come on. We have, a, we have a God who made an open display of Satan himself publicly and dismantled him of all of his authority. Demons are real, but listen, they are little minions. I remember hearing a story about someone that saw, actually saw the demon of the spirit of fear, and he was like this big. And he's like, man, that's all you are is this little teeny little midget of a demon, and I've given you a ton of fear out of my own heart. You don't deserve any of that. You are nobody compared to Jesus who holds the, the heavens in his hands. Come on, somebody. Coronavirus? I mean, we eat coronavirus sandwiches for lunch as the church. If you're sick, I'm not going to shake your hand, but I'll go eat a coronavirus sandwich in the name of Jesus. (laughs) So Jesus, he tells his disciples, and I'm wrapping this up in John chapter 14. I got to tell you a story of what happened to me this last week. He says, I'm going to give you from the Father, I'm going to ask him to give you something, Holy Spirit. And here's what Holy Spirit's going to be to you, verse 16. He's going to be a comforter. He's going to be an advocate. He's going to be an intercessor. He's going to be a counselor. He's going to be a strengthener. And he's going to be someone that will stand by you. And he says, it's not going to just be for a moment. It's going to be forever. So when Holy Spirit's poured out, it's just not like, oh, hey, nice day, got a little gift from God. No, it's going to be something that's going to reside on the inside of you for all of your days. He'll never leave you. So question, if this is who the Holy Spirit is to us, neededly so, and we're supposed to be our brother's keeper to someone else, and we carry Holy Spirit. Are you tracking with me? Shouldn't we be a comforter, an advocate, an intercessor, a counselor, a strengthener, and someone that comes along someone to stand by them when they need it? You see, we carry the essence of Jesus on the inside of us. We should be manifesting that essence to other people. The Spirit of Christ lives on the inside of us. Now, maybe I'm misreading social media. But I'm seeing a whole lot of, am I my brother's keeper? Well, if you're of this color or of that color, if you're of this political persuasion or that political persuasion, or if you're in the church or you're not in the church, then... What business do I have really to do with you? 
And then, hey, when we are engaging with somebody and, and, and maybe they say something that's not very nice, you ever had something like that happen before? And then you have that little thing called the spirit of offense rise up in you, and you want to just say, well, I'm done with that person, and I'm not their, I'm not their keeper anymore. Just, you know, good riddance. They may not, shouldn't be in your inner circle, but they should be experiencing your love. Come on. There you go. Use wisdom. You don't need to give someone that internal space because they don't deserve that yet. If you've been doing that, that's, that's a lack of wisdom. But man, love should be coming off us to everybody that, that we meet. In fact, we should be bowling over people with the love of God. Even our greatest enemy. So check this out. Last week, I'm up here. I'm just not myself. I could feel around 10, 20 in worship. Man, my heart is pounding out of my chest. I look at my iPhone. It's 205 beats per minute. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And, I'm man, I'm looking around for a sub replacement to step up and please come up, speak the message for me. And I should have done it. But anyhow, nonetheless, I get up, and I, I don't even know how I did what I did last weekend. It was cruel and unusual punishment to myself. Can I get an amen? But anyhow, it just didn't dissipate. So I ended up calling an ER doctor that goes to the harbor. He's like, listen, you got to get to the emergency room and they'll run an EKG and there could be this, this electrical thing going on in your heart. It's called SVT, supraventricular tachycardia. And if that's the case, they're going to give you a little medicine. You'll be fine. What he didn't tell me is the medicine they give you actually stops your heart for three seconds. Don't try that at home. Come on, somebody. So anyhow, they did it, and my heart rate returns to normal, but I get a ticket to one night at the Boca Regional Resort. Can I get an amen? Great food, great hospitality. So I get taken up to my room, and I discover that I have a roommate. Jack, this 95-year-old guy from Montreal, Canada. Now, I already have a thing against Montreal guys because of their driving in South Florida. Can I get an amen? So there's a bias there already. You know what I mean? I'm like, Jack, it's your fault. (laughs) And all your Montreal friends that I have to drive 15 miles an hour down US 1 going home and avoid your swerving. All right, can I get... So I'm in the room with Jack, and, you know, and, and they were, I was like, why do I have to stay here? I don't want to stay here. They're like, well, listen, just for, just to make sure your heart's good and you have a calm night, we're just, we want you to get a good rest, then we can monitor you. So I, I just fall asleep after a long day, 1030, and I wake up to this scream. Help! Help! You know that adrenaline rush that hits you when you have, like, someone spooks you? That hit me. Man, I'm, boom, my fart, boom, 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 boom. I wanted to cry out, where's that nurse that said I was going to have a peaceful night's sleep? I want to see her right now. Well, Jack is having this moment, this, this dementious moment, and he's crying for help for like three hours help help me 
help, help me. The nurses would come in, they'd calm Jack down, and then hours go by, I'm fast asleep, and then I hear, stop, woo, then he goes on, stop, stop, stop this, stop that, two and a half hours, and at this moment, I'm like, if I just put a pillow over his face, kidding, I'm totally joking, totally, I was delusional, y'all, I was tired, okay, Lord, it's time for him to see you, Lord, to be with you. So that went on for like three hours. I'm not kidding. This, I'm not making this stuff up, all right? Like, then 4.30, turn the light on, turn the light on. Another two hours. By this time, I'm offended. You know, I'm like, I'm not paying this hospital bill. I mean, I'm calling the administrator. I'm going to talk to whoever I need to talk. I'm I'm just not going to. And then the Lord comes over my heart. And he asks me, are you your brother's keeper? see, Jack was someone's child at one point in his life. He was a husband. He was a father. I found out he was a business owner of a butcher shop in Montreal. He has people that loves him. His son and his daughters were worried about him. They're trying to get him back to Canada. And in this dementia state at night that was hitting him, the Lord was saying, are you going to stand for him? Who's going to stand for him right now? Yes, I've got you, Darren, but I've put you in this room. This isn't just about you right now. Will you stand for him? I said, what am I supposed to do? He said, answer his request. Respond to his cry. He's being tormented. He's asking to stop. He's yelling for help. And then he's saying, someone turn the light on. So I, I, I just, in faith, I just, and I'm, I'm finishing here. I just begin to release this prayer. God, let the glorious light of your presence be released in this room right now. God, let him be illuminated in his heart with your peace. And then I turned my light on that lit up his side of the room in the natural. I turned it on and then I hear his voice just say, thank you. And you know what? He never said another word until the nurse came in at 8.30 that morning. Well, I got another gift given to me as I close another night in the Boca Regional Resort the next night. Because they told me, they said, if you leave, you're not going to be able to have these tests. You should get these tests done. We want to clear. We don't think there's anything here, we should, but we should get them done. If you go out, you, they're not going to approve them. I'm like, oh, okay. Did you know Jack slept like a baby that next night and didn't say a word 
In fact, I got up out of my bed the next day and I went over and him, to him and his aide and I was looking at Jack and he's smiling. I said, I love you, Jack. Hebrews says, let love of your fellow believers continue. Verse 2 in chapter 13 says, do not neglect to extend hospitality to strangers. Verse 3 says, remember those who are in prison, those who are mistreated. You know what was wrong, what the enemy was doing to that guy? Since you are also in the body and yourself one day, I thought about myself, when I'm 95, is someone going to love me this way? Last excerpt. It's by this guy named Eubesus. When there was a plague breaking out in the earth. And listen to what he says of this time. He says, The most of our brothers were unsparing in their exceeding love and brotherly kindness. They held fast to each other and visited the sick fearlessly and ministered to them continuously in Christ. They took the bodies of the saints in their open hands and in their bosoms and they clung to them and embraced them. But there were others who did otherwise. They deserted those who began to be sick and fled from their dearest friends. Hmm. Would you stand with me? And I want you to just just for a minute as, as we end this time, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about a redemptive God at work in a tumultuous earth that God is longing to bring the full manifestation of his redemption to. I want you to think about the people that you rub shoulders with and elbows with every day. I want you to think about those within the body. Maybe you yourself today, you're like, Darren, I can't even think about being concerned about someone else. I'm in so much need myself. Let the Holy Spirit right now come upon your body, come upon your mind, come upon your heart. Last week, there was so much anxiety in the room, I could literally feel it. So much worry, so much confusion. If that's going on even now as I'm speaking, whether it's in this room or someone listening to this or watching, I'm asking that the power of God would be released right now in the name of Jesus over every human heart. Lord, let the light of your sun shine right now. Let the cry for help and for something, just someone just to hear, stop, stop, help me. God, let your voice be heard in their hearts. God, pour out the love of Jesus that came so affirmed in his identity, knowing who he was, though he went into the wilderness and heard a good report from angels. God, let that same good tiding come to the human heart today. 
Come on, if that's you, lift up your hands. God, we ask for an outpouring of good tidings. We ask for positive reports. We ask for healings, signs, wonders, miracles being released on the planet. We ask that, God, where sickness is reigning, where depression is reigning, where death is reigning, that life would begin to flow. Come on, pray with me. Life, 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 God. We declare it in the Spirit. Come on, over your own situation, begin to release faith and say, God, let life come to my finances. Let life come to my marriage. Let life come to my children. In the name of Jesus. Come on, pour it out. Pour it out. As our ministry teams come, you know, I feel that, you know, there's a moment right here where some of you, you don't, you feel alone, you feel like you're walking by yourself, and you need someone just to stand with you, okay? And we're going to just take as much time as we need, and we're going to just say, you know, not a lot of words, because we don't need to explain away or try to counsel you out of whatever you're going through right now. But what we need to do is just put a hand on a shoulder and say you're going to make it. You're going to be okay. You're going to get through. This too shall pass, right? This too shall pass. So if that's you, I want you to come down. We're going to release you to go get your children. And we're going to go ahead and officially be dismissed in this moment. But I really feel like God wants to do some things in some hearts and some people this morning before we leave here. Listen, thank you. Thank you for standing for the Lord. Thank you for standing for Jesus because it's worth it. And he sees your heart. He sees all that's going on in your life. Listen, God bless you guys. We're going to take some time and minister as the worship team continues to sing. God bless you all. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.